Hi, this is Tim Lehart. And this is Debbie Lehart. And you're, you're listening, listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hello, church, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Palm Sunday Sermon. Welcome. It is Sunday, April 2nd. Palm Sunday is the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, knowing full well he would trigger the religious and political authorities. Jesus' mission required him to demonstrate courageous love regardless of the reactions of others. He is Lord, the absolute authority over all things. The question is, does he have all authority over you too? Let's pray and then we'll talk about it. Gracious Heavenly Father, welcome to this time together that we have. We want you to be right here in the middle with us. We want to listen at your feet, Lord. Teach us today about your courageous love. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So far in this sermon series, we've learned that Jesus' actions were fueled by love. And we've learned that if love was the fuel, then there were several other key additives present in the life of Jesus. One of those additives was a humble love. Another key additive was that Jesus showed us a perfect love. Today we'll talk about yet another key additive to the love of Christ, and that is courageous love. By all worldly viewpoints, Jesus is about to have a week of nothing but failures, but these failures were sufferings that contrasted God's nature of love with mankind's nature to control and dominate. When something is put under force and trauma, you find what it's really made of on the inside. What do you get when you squeeze a lemon? Lemon juice. What do you get when you squeeze an orange? Orange juice. That's what happens when the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, rides into town on a donkey, stoops to wash his disciples' feet, is betrayed by a trusted friend, is spat upon, abandoned, beaten, whipped, tried, convicted, and crucified, dead, and buried. What do you get when that happens? You get a crystal clear picture of God's core nature of self-giving love. Jesus endured the cross events in order to save humanity. There was no other alternative. And in doing so, he demonstrated that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, who came into the world to save the world, not condemn it. Today, we're going to focus on Jesus' courageous love and how it propelled him as he prepared to enter Jerusalem. Let's go to the story. Open up your Bible or Bible app to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Again, that is Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, and follow along as I read. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent the two of them ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in the highest heaven! The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. 
And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The story begins with Jesus approaching Jerusalem. Before he enters, he sends two of his disciples into a village to return with a donkey and her colt. The disciples do what they're told, return with the donkey, and Jesus rides slowly into town. The text says that this was done to fulfill a prophecy from Zechariah, which said, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you! He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. That's Zechariah 9.9. First, let's talk about Jesus has all authority. Can you say that with me? Jesus has all authority. There's a couple of things going on here that are really important. The first is, riding a donkey signified peace. Riding into Jerusalem on a donkey is a highly intentional move by Jesus. In the ancient world, if a king rode into a town on a horse, he intended war and aggression. If he rode into town on a donkey, he intended peace. Jesus rode into town on a donkey to demonstrate his kingship will be one of peace. The passage from Zechariah continues, Zechariah 9.10. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. This is a messianic prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling. He is the anointed one, the Messiah, the king coming into town, proclaiming peace instead of conflict. The war's over. There'll be no more violence. I don't think the disciples or the crowds fully understood what Jesus was doing right before their eyes. The Gospel of John says in John 12:16, His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Now, the second thing going on here is that Jesus proclaims himself king. And folks, this is no small thing. The crowds declared Jesus to be the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. But that's not what Jesus claimed for himself. He was more than a moral teacher and more than a prophet. He was and is the king and Messiah. During his life and ministry, Jesus consistently demonstrated true authority. Jesus had and still has all authority over nature, demons, sickness, and death. He spoke with authority and not like someone who memorized all the right answers. He protected people from storms and waves, healed them from blindness, leprosy, and fevers, set them free from evil spirits and demons, even more. At Jesus' word, the devil left him. Demons left, fevers disappeared, and paralysis went away because he had all authority over them. Nature had to obey him because nature is under his authority. The devil and his demons had to obey him because they are also under his authority. The same with sickness and disease. They are fully under his authority. Just as God spoke the cosmos into existence in Genesis, everything under Jesus' authority must comply with whatever he speaks because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? The early Christians understood. Their creed was Jesus is Lord. The word Lord means absolute authority. This wasn't a fancy way to say Mr. as in Mr. Jesus. When they confessed Jesus is Lord, they were proclaiming his complete authority over everything in this world, nature, sickness, demons, death, and themselves. This proclamation got them killed, by the way, because only Caesar was Lord. The Christian's proclamation was punishable as treason. While Jesus was brutal against severe weather, demons, and sickness, he was loving, welcoming, and direct with people. This is the Jesus who ate with tax collectors, sat with sinners, and let sinful women wet his feet with their tears. He touched the untouchable, 
He loved those who were oppressed and loved their oppressors. Why? Because God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. John 3.17 Jesus used his authority to save, heal, and make people whole. He never used it for selfish purposes or gratuitous displays of power. He used his authority humbly in a way to demonstrate God's self-giving love in ways consistent with his mission. Here's the question, though. Jesus has all authority over nature, sickness, demons, and death. But does he have authority over you? Meaning, are you truly his disciple? I don't mean, have you accepted some creed about him? But do you trust in him as the Lord in your life? As I was preparing this sermon, it made me ask myself, how was Jesus' loving authority impacting my life? I can tell you that that one actually stopped me cold for several days. I had to think about it. It's so easy to say that Jesus has authority in my life. Sounds so Christian, doesn't it? Letting Jesus have authority in my life means that I should submit to everything. Every area of my life should be in submission to him. Areas like my marriage, my kids, my job, my finances, my thought life. And frankly, folks, that's been a challenge in those areas. I don't know about you, but since I've become a Christian, which was over 45 years ago, I've had secret compartments in my life that I would tell myself were hands off to God, like he didn't know about them already. Duh. And honestly, I had to come to terms with the fact that those compartments existed because I didn't want to submit everything to the Lord. In other words, I wanted my cake and to eat it too. So I was in rebellion to the Lord. But I found through these years that each and every time I would let go of a compartment, a stronghold, a thing, and submit it to God's authority, he would fill that void with himself. Of course, I continued to pray, read the Bible, but perhaps most importantly, to trust God at his word. As I trusted God's authority with my marriage, I became a better husband. As I trusted God's authority with my children, I became a better dad. As I trusted God's authority with my finances, job, and thoughts, I became stronger in my walk with him because it wasn't as much about me, it was more about him. The impact of God's authority in my life is still a work in progress, and there are still compartments and strongholds that are being broken down. But by actively and intentionally surrendering to God's authority in my life, I can say that I am an overcomer, and I rest on Jesus' words in John 16:33 when he said, But take heart, because I, meaning Jesus, have overcome the world. So clearly Jesus has all authority. It's also important to know that Jesus' love was courageous. Let's talk about it. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem had been planned and it wasn't on a whim. Before Jesus rode into town, he needed a donkey. So he sent the disciples to fetch the ones he had in mind. He gave them instructions that if anyone questioned why they wanted the donkeys, they were simply to say, the Lord needs them. Mark tells us that the village was Bethany, where Jesus recently raised Lazarus from the dead. No doubt Jesus knew a lot of people in Bethany, and that the code word of the Lord needs them was established in advance with someone. Jesus had been planning his entrance for quite a while. The timing was perfect. Jesus knew Jerusalem would be crowded with pilgrims for Passover. The law required that all adult Jewish males who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem come to the Passover. And not only did they come, but Jews from all over the known world traveled to Jerusalem for the festival. Jerusalem would be jam-packed with tens of thousands of expectant visitors focused on the Passover. This was the time for Jesus to make a statement for all to see. The Jewish leaders were already plotting to kill Jesus. The most dangerous way Jesus could enter the city was in broad daylight with a lot of attention and noise from the thousands of spectators. 
And that's exactly what he did. Jesus courageously made himself the sacrificial lamb entering the city. He knew those who hated him and wanted him dead would be triggered, but his actions and decisions were based on doing God's will rather than on how men would react in power. Jesus was courageous, and he calls us to be courageous also. Do you think that there's a lack of courage in your life? On a scale of 1 to 10, how courageous do you think you are? Now, you can't say 7 because everybody always says 7, so that's not an option. Let's be specific, though. If you're courageous, you'll do the right thing regardless of the consequences. If you're courageous, you'll feel fear, but do it anyway. If you're courageous, you'll not stop at failure. If you're courageous, you'll risk being criticized. And if you're courageous, you'll pursue purpose over comfort. I think Jesus showed courageous love in each of those ways. To be courageous is to be Christ-like. Too many of us are stopped by fear, avoid failure of criticism, and are stuck in our comfortable lives with little meaning or purpose. So Jesus has all authority. His love was courageous. Lastly, let's address this question. Who do you say Jesus is? Matthew 21.8 says that most of the crowd spread their garments on the ground ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road as Jesus entered. This was a reception reserved only for a king, but Jesus had no intention of taking political power like most kings. Jesus was only interested in becoming king in the hearts of each and every person, for his kingdom was not of this world. They shouted, Hosanna, which means save now, and it comes from Psalm 118 verse 25. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. Remember, he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Matthew 21.10 says, The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. There were tens of thousands of visitors in the city for this Passover, and they had yet to be exposed to Jesus. So this is why so many were asking who he was. Verse 11 says, Then the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The crowds called Jesus a prophet because they didn't fully understand him. But those closest to Jesus, those who spent time with him, listened to him, engaged with him, and learned to obey him, knew exactly who he was. He was not a prophet or just some great moral teacher. He was more than that. He was not an earthly king. He was beyond an earthly king. Those who knew him called him the Messiah, the Son of God, who came into the world to save it, not condemn it. Jesus' friend Martha said about him in John 11:27. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Jesus' disciple Peter said in Matthew 16, 16 about Jesus, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And in John 4, 42, after spending two days with Jesus, the entire town of Sychar said about him, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed Savior of the world. It was Jesus' courageous love that propelled him to make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it is one of the key additives to the fuel of love that held him there on the cross for me and for you. The question is, beloved, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a prophet? Is he a moral teacher? Or is he your Lord, your absolute authority? C.S. Lewis once said, and I quote, Let us not say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level with the man who says that he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, 
or else a madman or someone worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great moral teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. End quote. Beloved, Jesus displayed a courageous love that brought him into Jerusalem that Palm Sunday. Everything he did was in obedience to God and was also for you. Right now, he stands at the door of your heart and is knocking, asking if he can come into your life. Are you ready to make a courageous first step today by saying yes? I pray that you will, and to God be the glory. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.